Hello, welcome to T4C, Truth for the Church. Uh, this is David Porter, and I'm excited to have you with me for yet another episode of uh, Truth for the Church. And man, I feel like we've got a great topic today. Um, and that topic is the gospel, why the church won't share it. The gospel, why the church won't share it. And so I think this is going to be really good. Um, there are a lot of different angles we can come at this, but let me go ahead and start by saying this is not every person or every church. All right. So nobody can say, well, you know, my church does this and that, or I know people who do this and that, or I do this and that. Right. This is obviously not everybody. The word of God is going to do what it said it was going to do. Uh, the gospel is going to be preached to all four corners of the earth. Right. So I'm not I'm not denying any of that. OK, so I do want to acknowledge that that people who are missionaries giving up their lives for the cause of Christ, people who are committed in the local body. Just wanted to put that out there. But there is a large number of people who call themselves Christians and who are avid churchgoers who claim to understand and believe the gospel and yet won't share the gospel. OK, so first, let's unpack that word. The word gospel simply means good news. That's all it means. Good news. Right. It means good news. And obviously, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. OK, so uh, let's go to the Bible like we always do. One of the first things I want to talk about is John chapter four. I want to go to John chapter four. I want to show you something in the scriptures when it comes to evangelism. A lot of people have a lot of fear when it comes to evangelism. A lot of people say, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. It's not that I don't want to. I'm afraid and stuff. But I mean, if I knew. Let's go to John 4. I'm, I, I'm praying that when we read this, it'll become really clear. So John 4 is a story about uh, Jesus meeting a woman from Samaria who has been, um, you know, shaded by the other women. Uh, we know this because she comes later in the day and the women normally come early in the morning. And so uh, Jacob's well is there. Jesus waits for this woman from Samaria. He asks her to give him some water to drink. Right. And the woman says, what are you doing? You know, talking to me because y'all y'all Jews don't have any dealings with the Samarians. Jesus begins to interact with her, tells her, if you knew who who, who you really were talking to, uh, then you would ask for living water. Right. So Jesus engages with this Samaritan woman. And eventually she asked for this water that Jesus is speaking about. And Jesus says, go call your husband. And then the woman says, well, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, OK, I'm sure you don't. <laughs> you really have five husbands and the one you're with isn't now. So then she's like, oh, snap. And she's like, OK, Lord, I, I, I perceive that you're a prophet. Uh, I perceive that you're a prophet. And so she begins to talk even more. And later on, she says, uh, she says that. You know, I believe that the Messiah will come who is called Christ. And when he's come, he's going to show all things. He's going to tell us all things. Verse 26 of that chapter, Jesus says unto her, I that speak unto you. And Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. OK, he says, I am the promised one that's going to come make atonement for the sins of the world. Jesus reveals himself to her as the son of God, as the Messiah and her response in verse number 29, excuse me, verse 28, the Bible says this immediately. Now, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said unto the men, come see a man which told me all things I ever did. 
is this not the Christ? Here is something about evangelism and sharing the gospel that we need to understand. It's organic. I know we have Matthew 28. I know it's the Great Commission. I know it says, go ye therefore. Absolutely, we should use that. But we also need to hold up John 4 and understand that not only with just this woman, but there are countless other stories of people in the Bible. There were lepers that Jesus healed. Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priest. He said, don't tell anybody. They could not help it. They could not help but express joy over what the Lord has done for them. They could not help. They could not hold it in. So what's the point here? The point here is that evangelism is organic. It's as organic as the transformation is for the person who receives Christ. So the problem is, don't tell me you have received Christ, but you don't want to tell people about it. Because that is not consistent with others who have encountered Christ in the scriptures. This is one of the things that helped me to turn my life around and become serious about God is reading the Gospels. I read Matthew, Mark, Luke and John when I got in college and I was sitting there looking at these characters, these people. And when they met Christ, there was an immediate change. There was an immediate transformation. There was an immediate response. There was immediate commitment to Christ. And I said, what in the world? You know what? I've been in church all my life, but I haven't been taking this thing seriously because this is what it looks like to have encountered Christ and been changed by him. Okay, so this is the rubric for us today. The rubric is John 4. That's the rubric. That's the rubric. It's John 4. Do I'm. David is supposed to go tell other people what Jesus did for David. Notice, did did the Bible say go argue the scriptures? No. Did did this woman go argue the scriptures? No. What does she do? She said, is this man not the Messiah? Let me explain to you what he has done for me. Here's the thing. The Bible says this. We've overcome by the word, uh, I mean, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. This woman had a testimony. She didn't have to go to theology school. She didn't have to go learn Greek and Hebrew, right? She didn't have to go become a preacher, get ordained. She didn't have to do any of that to be qualified. Y'all hear me? She didn't have to do anything to be qualified other than she met the Lord and she was changed by the Lord. And that's what she ran off of. That's all God is looking for at the core of evangelism. That's the core right there. We got all these, you know, gospel tracks and six step methods and, you know, open air, do this and that. And, you know, now you got lifestyle evangelism, you know, and you got all these different styles and ways. And I'm not saying that they're evil. OK, but I'm saying the point is, if you've been touched by the Lord, you go tell somebody. All right. That's the point. Have you been touched? Who have you told? All right. Th- those are two questions I'm looking for. Oh, you've been touched. Who have you told? Well, I mean, I haven't told anybody. Okay, but you said you've been touched, though. All the people in the scripture who've been touched, they were telling other folks. Okay, so this is what God is looking for. It says, come and see a man which told me all the things that ever that I did. See, this is personal. This is personal. Man, I was a sinner, man. And I'm telling you, man, I was messed up. I was jacked up, man. And God met me right where I was. I'm trying to let you know God is real. His power is real. 
I've met the living God. I, I've, I've come to know Jesus Christ as my Lord and said, that's what he's looking for. Personal. When we, when we can't do that, I don't have any confidence that that person is a Christian. I didn't say that they're not a Christian. I said, I don't have any confidence. And this is what's going on in the church right now. People are afraid. How are you afraid to tell people about the most important thing in your life? That doesn't even make sense. If a man, if a husband is afraid to tell other people about his wife, then that ain't his wife. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? The fact that a husband will hide his wife doesn't make any sense. If Christ is his thing, Christ is not an addition to our life. Okay? Christ is our life. That's what Colossians says. When Christ who is our life shall appear, right? We shall be like him. He is our life. Life doesn't revolve around me. It revolves around Christ. And that's the testimony of a Christian. And so we should be sharing that with other people. So the problem is, if Christ does not have that place in your life, then that's not going to be what you do. Okay? Does he have preeminence in our life? Not just prominence, but preeminence in our life. If he does, we'll tell other people about him. He's the most important person. Okay? I'm not going to just wait for an opportunity. I'm going to create an opportunity. Oh, that'll preach, man. That'll preach right there because I know a lot of people who won't tell the God, won't share the good news of Jesus Christ because they're quote unquote waiting for the right moment. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't be wise as a serpent, you know, harmless as a dove. I'm not saying don't season your words with grace, but I'm saying when the Lord has touched you, you're gonna be looking to create some opportunities to share. All right? At work. Are you praying for your co-workers, the ones who you know are not saved, the ones who are lost, don't want nothing to do? What about your family members? Are you praying, seeking an opportunity to insert Christ? Or are we just sitting back on our heels? If we've been truly touched by Christ, we'll tell someone. All right. Now, look at the fruit. Here's the thing. Look at the fruit of what she did. The Bible says in verse 30 of John 4, then they went out of the city and came unto him. OK, so they they investigated and inquired about Christ based off of her testimony. That's what our testimony is supposed to make people do. Make people now they got to They got to decide for themselves whether they're going to receive Christ. But our job is to let them know. And, and get them thinking. Right. All right. And then this is what the, the, the scripture says in verse thirty nine. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all I ever did. Did y'all see? That's that's so beautiful. Did they believe because she gave a great sermon? Did they believe because, uh, you know, because she could argue in the Greek and the Hebrew? Or she made some airtight? No, they knew who this woman was. They knew her lifestyle. And they seen God change her. They saw God do something amazing in her, which made them in turn believe in Jesus Christ. So I don't want you to miss it. It's not just that she was testifying and still doing what she was doing. See, that's the thing. Some of us, that's that's why <laughs> if we're honest, that's that's why uh, a lot of the church won't share the gospel. It's because they don't want anybody investigating their life. 
because they they hadn't they hadn't let nothing go. They haven't repented of anything. And so the truth is, they're not sharing the gospel on the basis that they'd be found a counterfeit, a counterfeit. They'd be found a fraud. And the person would say, wait a second. So so ain't no wonderful change come over you. That's why you're not sharing about it. All right. So we got to look introspectively here and say, "Okay, Lord. If this wonderful change has come over me, then I can testify about it. Right. That that's the that's the fruit. That's the response. Okay, so I wanted to to put that out there. This woman truly believed the gospel. All right. And of course, the, the if you keep reading, the Bible says that many more believed on Jesus because of his own word. All right. But that's that's so important. Uh, here, here's the other the other aspect. I wanted to read this. Um, let me go to Matthew nine. Go to Matthew 9, and I'll start at verse number 35. And it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then he said unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. This is really sad because what it's saying here is that there's so many people that are primed and prepped. They are ready. Jesus is using souls as an analogy to wheat for an harvest. He's saying it's plentiful. It's ready. It's ripe to be harvested. But we have so few people that are willing to labor. And that is the same thing that the church is dealing with today. Because we have a lot of people coming to church. We've got a lot of folks who, who uh, you know, post their scriptures on Facebook and Twitter. We've got a lot of people who are on Instagram harding and liking, you know, other people's posts. But they're not going to roll up their sleeves and do the work of evangelism. Oh, no, that's not for them. That's for the preacher. That's for the pastor. Oh, no, that's oh, no. Evangelism is a calling. It's something you have to be called to. No, it's not. It's something that happens when you truly met the Lord and you hear here. Jesus's uh, frustration His he has compassion on the people and he's looking and he's telling his disciples. There's so there's so much available. There's so many. The harvest is plentiful, but there's so few laborers. People don't want to work. And here's the other point about evangelism. It's work. It's sacrifice. You have to labor. But I love his response. He tells us to be praying, therefore, to the Lord of the harvest that we, he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So the question that we should ask ourselves is, am I a laborer? Am I laboring in God's vineyard? Right. We should ask ourselves that question. How am I laboring is a better question. Because you, you get to think about it a little bit deeper. How am I strategically praying and looking for opportunities to share the gospel? What am I doing? Let me give you a testimony. A friend of mine, Ellis, um, he and I would coordinate. And, and it was honestly just something that we desired to do because we wanted, we were convicted about our lack of evangelism. 
we were convicted by it. We're like, I mean, I was, you know, when I was in college, it was a lot easier. There were other organizations. They could, they could, they could basically do it for us. You understand what I'm saying? They, they did the work for us. We didn't really have to labor, just show up at an event and, you know, go pass out stuff. And you're there with 50 other people. And it's easy to do that. And they did it twice a year and you kind of pat yourself on the back. But, you know, as we got older, we ended up graduating, you know, him and I were talking and we were like, man, we've got to share the gospel. We've got to evangelize. And so what we did is we took a day every month and we would meet up together and we would go to a mall or a shopping center or somewhere and share the gospel. We just we had a small survey that we would do of about 10 questions. And it was kind of like a religious survey. And we would ask people questions and then, you know, start chatting with them and then share the gospel. And that's what we would do for a few hours. You know, we just pick a day. And so my point is, I want you to think about it. How important is the gospel? How important is it? How many people need to hear the gospel? And then, and we know the answer to that, right? How important is the gospel? It's the most important thing on this planet. The news about Christ is more important than what's going on with Trump. It's more important than, than, than sports. It's more important than anything. The gospel is the most important thing. And we would all agree with that. Who needs to hear the gospel? Everybody needs to hear the gospel. Believers need to be refreshed by the gospel. But the sinner man, the person who does not know Jesus Christ in the pardon of his sin, they need to hear the gospel. They need to hear it proclaimed, preached to them, shared with them. And so here's the next question. What part Am I playing and laboring towards that end? What are you doing? What am I doing? If you are not doing anything, you are not a laborer. Going to church does not count. Going to Bible study does not count. What are you personally doing to share the gospel? There needs to be strategy to this. I heard a, uh, I read this in a book once. I think it was A.R. Bernard that, that talks about it. And he said, anything that's important to you, it's going to go on your calendar. And I thought that was interesting. He said, anything that's important to you, you're going to budget for. It's a book about manhood. But he talked about that. He said, things that go on your calendar matter. Things that go on your budget matter. Uh, think about evangelism. Where does that fall? And here's the other thing. Paying for a missionary does not excuse you to not evangelize. Well, we support this and that. Well, that that's great. But that does not excuse you from the personal responsibility to share the gospel. Let me let me pose a thought to you. If you share the gospel, can you imagine the seeds that you would have sown had once you make it your you make it your decision that one I'm going to share the gospel with one person every week. You would have shared the gospel with 50 people by the end of the year, 50 people, if that had been uncle. My point is, we're often not thinking about this. And of course, I'm not, I'm not saying that we don't have lives to live. I'm not expecting, I'm not saying God's going to judge you if you don't go out every single day and stand on the street corner. But what I'm saying is, is it a priority? Is it something you do? Think about, it's, we're in August now. Think about since January. What have you done? Who have you talked to? Who have you have you have you went to any organizations or events for the sole purpose of sharing the gospel? 
Okay, so here's here's my point. It's organic. John chapter four. It is an organic thing. Jesus ain't got to beg us to share the gospel. Jesus commanded us to share the gospel. But before he commanded us, we see here in John four. This is just what happens. This is what it looks like to be saved. This is what it looks like to be sold out for Jesus is to share the gospel. Okay. All right. Let's move on to the next point. All right. Now I'm going to go. So that was John 4. Now let's go to Acts chapter 1. Okay. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. The Bible says this. Jesus says in verse number 8, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Okay, so Jesus is expecting us to be witnesses of him. Of him. Okay, Christ is the focus of the gospel. And I know it it might sound crazy to say that, but he is the focus. The focus is not. Because um, some people they struggle about uh, how to evangelize. How do well, how do I do it? How do I evangelize? We well, talk about Jesus. You share Jesus, right? So so I can do another podcast later uh, if you guys want about you know different strategies on how to share gospel. But remember, if the, if if all you have to say is, hey, you know, this is my testimony. This is what the Lord did for me. And, you know, let them know there's no other. You know, Jesus is the only way. You know. You let him know John 14, 6, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man calls it to the Father but by me. But so so here's the here's the point. The point is we're supposed to be witnesses of Christ. We're supposed to share the gospel with everyone. And God is expecting this to happen after we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? That's what it says. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall be witnesses. They already had the Holy Spirit. When, when God breathed on them, when Jesus breathed on them, he said, receive you the Holy Ghost. He breathed on them. They already had the Holy Spirit. They already saved. They weren't filled yet. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll see it again. Let's go to Acts chapter 4. We'll see this again in Acts chapter 4. And the disciples were all praying. Okay, verse number, let me go to verse number 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hath made the heaven and earth and sea and all that in them is. And let me skip forward just for the sake of time. Verse number 29, it says, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things and common and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace were upon them all. Okay. So what's the point here? The point here is that boldness and courage is a, a, this is a result of being filled up with the spirit of God. See, 
God enables us through his Holy Spirit to be able to share the gospel, to be able to evangelize. You cannot do this in your own strength. We cannot evangelize effectively in our own strength. We have to rely on the Holy Spirit to convict men and women's hearts so that they might understand who Jesus is. Evangelism is not something that we boast on to make ourselves look better against other believers. We do not evangelize to add notches on our belts or to add things to our resumes, but rather we evangelize for the purpose of men and women's hearts being opened, being cut open by the word of God to receive by faith what Jesus Christ has really said. Okay, so that's that's why we do what we do. We do it so that by faith they might receive Jesus. But guess what? You and I have no control over their hearts. We are, but we are praying that God would fill us with his, with his Holy Spirit so that we can walk in his power and his authority and boldly declare the word of God. So here's another reason why, uh, why we don't share the gospel. It's not just that we don't believe the gospel, right? Because when we believe the gospel, we share. That's what happened to the woman at the well. But it's also that we've left the Holy Spirit out of it. We've left the Holy Spirit out. You need God's spirit to do God's things. <laughs> we need to rely on God. Okay. And so I'll never forget um, Marcus, who is uh, I, I didn't I was not a street preacher or a street evangelizer until Marcus came in my life and uh, buddy from college. And he convicted me. I mean, the Lord used him to convict me and said, man, we got to we got to go do something. We got to go share the gospel, man. We got to do something. And so him and I went uh, on college campus and we were afraid. We were shaking. I mean, you know, it's a very frightening thing to go share the gospel with people and know that you're probably going to be rejected. But you know what? That's what we did. And I remember us all the times we would go there and we would pray and we asked that we pray this prayer. We asked the Holy Spirit to fill us up and to give us boldness. And you know what? God, God was with us. God was with us. That sometimes we were laughed at. Sometimes we were picked on. Sometimes we were mocked at. But you know what? We we felt so good because we knew we were doing the will of God. We were being his saints in the light. We were doing what God had called us to do. Here's the other point that I want us to understand. This boldness is not something you get because you have knowledge. Boldness is what you have when you trust God. OK, so this is what this is what the text says. They just pray and the Holy Spirit filled them up on the inside and they boldly declare the word of God. There ought to be a certain kind of attitude and say, I thank God because I have it now. I didn't used to have it. I didn't used to have it, but I have confidence in God now. I've been doing this thing for years. So there was a time where I was afraid. But I've, I've, I've but I met God or rather God met me where I was. And empowered me and gave me gave me confidence. And so I was sure of myself and I was sure of who God was. And I was able to share God's word, even though we got heckled, 
We got laughed at. We dealt with all kinds of, of, of different religions. We talked with, I mean, everything from Muslim to Buddhist. We dealt with, uh, you know, people who lived alternative lifestyles. We dealt cross-dressers. We saw it all. Satanists. We met all of that stuff. On a college campus, we met all of that stuff. But you know what? The more we prayed, the stronger we got. And we just kept going back, kept going back <laughs> until it was second nature. It got to the point where people knew they knew us because it was a it was it was two or three days a week. We were doing it and we were just in the courtyard and the people knew when we come up, they knew, oh, man, I'm good. I'm good. No, nah, man, y'all ain't got to talk to me about that. Jesus stuff, man. I'm good. People already knew what we were about. OK, so this is this is what God wants for all of us. Well, let me tell you the reason why a lot of people don't want to do it. A lot of us. Instead of having boldness, we have fear. You're afraid of what's going to happen if you share gospel at work. You're afraid God won't have your back. You're afraid of the rejection. You're afraid of losing your friendships. Because, because you put more stock and more value into carnal things than spiritual things. And so we have to be careful about that. We can't put more value into carnal things than spiritual things. Okay. God is God is the one who's got our back. But we have to understand that we have to look at people the way God sees people. God loves all his people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John 3, 16 and 17. That's how God sees the world. That's how God sees all of his children, all of those who have been created in his image and likeness. God sees it that way. God came to die on the cross so that mankind can be reconciled back to him. But it's only through faith in the risen savior that that happens. And it's our job to be his mouthpiece. So how is it that we're going to walk by people and not tell them about the goodness of Jesus. How can we sleep at night knowing that I have a coworker that I know and I've known them for five years and I'm sold out Christian and I've never reached out to them to have an opportunity to, to, to be saved, to share the gospel with them. I have no idea what the Lord may do in their heart. And I'm afraid I'm scared of what it might do with my work. I'm scared of maybe it's my boss. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. But you know what? I've been praying for them for three months now. And Lord, I'm asking that you give me boldness and open up an opportunity for me to be able to sit down with this person and share your gospel. That's why God put us here. That's why he redeemed us so that we can do this. But so many of us are missing those opportunities. All right. Here's, here's another point that I want to gather from uh, Matthew 9, right? When Jesus says that the the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. Jesus said this about them. He said, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. If you love like God loves, you will share what God has done. This is true love. Love is not being silent when you know somebody is going to hell. When you know somebody is still in their sins. Love is telling them. Love is telling them. And you hear it all the time. Uh, I've, I've, I've heard this all the time, this analogy that's used, and it's a great analogy. If you knew that somebody was uh, about to jaywalk 
across the street, but you saw a bus coming, would you yell, scream, run, and try and tackle them? Do whatever you could to get them out of the way. The answer is yes, you would, right? And that would not be uh, selfishness on your part, but rather selflessness. It's actually an act of love. You're trying to save their life. Well, how much worse is an eternity outside of God than getting hit by a truck? If we saw somebody about to get hit by a truck and we could do something about it, at the very least, we would yell and tell them, to get. We wouldn't care about their sensibilities. We wouldn't care about how they felt. All we would care about is, I want you spared. That's what Jude says. Jude says, pulling others out of the fire. I'm trying to get you out of, of the clutches of sin and Satan with the gospel. That's what the gospel does. It rescues us. It saves us from certain eternal uh, uh, judgment. So why wouldn't we tell others about it? See, this is what true compassion looks like. It doesn't look like what the world says. It's not about going to birthday parties and, and Instagram pictures and having laughs. How can you do that with people that you know are not saved and you have not desired, prayed for, asked God and sought out opportunities to share the gospel? Here's the beautiful thing. The blood will no longer be on your hands once you've done your part. You share the gospel. They say, man, look, hey, I appreciate it. I get it. You know what? That's that's your thing. That's that's what you believe. But, you know, I'm not really with that. You know, I, I we don't have we don't have to talk about it. I'm just, and you're done. You you have done your part. You have sowed that seed. And you let it be. But don't let it happen and it be on your hands. OK, so here's the point. Not only do we need to believe the gospel, not only do we need to rely on the Holy Spirit, but we need to love God's people. All of God's people, we need to love them enough to share the gospel. Notice Jesus didn't look on them with eyes of judgment, even though he has been judged. He, he said that in John five, that all the judgment has been given to him. He's the judge. And yet he's looking on sinners with compassion. He's a judge. He's going to judge them, but he wants to save them. You understand the beautiful dichotomy there. He's going to judge them, but he wants to save them. The Bible says the Lord is long suffering. He wants everybody to come to repentance. They won't, but that's his desire. And as we grow in Christ more and more, what should happen? Sorry, guys, that's my clock. But uh, as we grow in Christ more and more, his heart should become our heart. His desires should become our desires. His compassion for his people should become our compassion for his people, which means I love you. I labor in prayer over you. I want you to receive Christ. I want you to know God. I want you to know Jesus Christ. I want you to be saved. I want you to become a part of the family of God. And that's my desire. Paul said that as well. Let's go to that in Romans chapter 10. I think it's Romans 10. Let's, let's take a look here. Yes, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. That's, look, this is what God is looking for from us. Can we say that? My heart's desire and prayer for my cousin, for my auntie, for my uncle. That's what we want to get, God's heart. 
my heart's desire for my friend. I have some friends now who are not saved, and I still labor in prayer over them. I don't do it every day, but at least a few times a week, the Lord just puts them in my heart. And I just pray, for Lord, please, at some point, please. It's been years now, but I'm still praying for them, that they will come to know Jesus Christ. But that should be our testimony. My heart and my desire and my prayer to God is that they will be saved. Okay, so this is also what God is looking for from us. He's looking for people who have his heart. Right? So so when you have God's heart for his people, it becomes easy to share the gospel. Sharing the gospel is the greatest act of love that you could give someone. Okay? Now, obviously, living it goes along with that because it actually works. I need to add that in there. It actually works against the gospel when we don't live the gospel, right? You see this mean-spirited, uh, nasty-mouthed person telling you you need to repent and be saved or, or saying it in a, in, a, in, a, in a tone of condemnation, right, as if or from a self-righteous position. I'm not speaking to that, but I'm saying with compassion, with compassion, earnestly, boldly sharing the good news. So I think these are some of the reasons that the church doesn't share the gospel. One of the reasons is that it's not organic for a lot of people. And I, and I have a right, every right to question their salvation. You're saying you've been truly touched, but you don't want to tell anybody about Christ. I'm scared. That's not what that woman at the well said. That's not what the blind man said. You get what I'm saying? That, that, that Folks who've been really changed, you don't see that issue. Okay, let's go to another example. Acts. Um, oh, oh yeah, that's right. We did. We already did that. We did Acts chapter four, right? We did Acts chapter four, and and that's that's the same thing that happened. Uh, they pray and they have boldness, and so this is one of the problems that the church has is uh, we don't really believe the gospel. We don't rely on the Holy Spirit. That's why the church won't share it. Um, we don't love like God. It's called us to love. Okay. All right. Now let me let me finish out and let me go to uh, Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. And we're gonna we're gonna look at this when Jesus is commissioning his 12 disciples. He gives them power to all kinds of spirits. Listen to what he says here. Verse 5. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter you not, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom is uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Okay, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay, so Jesus is giving his instructions, saying, Go in my authority and my power, demonstrate with signs and wonders, and then share the gospel. Okay. Share the gospel with them. But here is the part that we don't like about what the gospel will do. People don't share the gospel because of what it costs. It's really that simple. This is what it says. But beware of men, verse 17, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before the governors and kings for my sake, for testimony against them and the Gentiles. Okay. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye 
that speak, but the spirit of your father, which speaketh in you. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father, the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, that he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Verse 24, the disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. All right, uh, let me skip down and I'll finish out here. Verse 28, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. All right, what's the point here? The point here is that sharing the gospel is going to cost you. It may even cost you your life. And the real reason the church is not sharing it is because you might lose your job. You may lose your livelihood. You may even lose your life. But Jesus says, but if you endure it, you'll be saved. See, many people who turn away from this charge, this is not an option. Okay, this is not, God does not negotiate with us. He does not negotiate with us about his word. It's either, it's up to us whether we're going to obey it or reject it. All right, but the reason, or a lot of the reason the church doesn't evangelize simply comes down to the fact that it costs too much. For them, it costs too much to do it. And if we're honest with ourselves, there are times in our lives and there's situations, whether it's your bag and groceries and you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you to say something, or it's a coworker or a family member or a friend, or just you know that you're supposed to be doing more and you're not. The truth is, oftentimes we don't do it because for us, it costs too much. But Jesus says, you're fearing the wrong thing. He says, don't fear man. All they can do is kill your body. You need to fear me because I'm the one that can take your body and your soul and destroy both in hell. Okay, so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If we're not fearing God, we won't properly see God. We won't properly view God. And that's why it's the beginning. It's, it's the only way to have the right view of God. Okay, he's a terrible God, but he's a great God. But you need both of them. Okay, and so fearing God puts it in the right perspective. The buck stops with God. And God says, this isn't optional. Okay. And a lot of the reason the church won't share is because it costs too much. It costs too much for them. They would rather have uh, their livelihood or their lives than to, to lay it down for the Lord and to share the gospel. Uh, you remember Peter, Peter dealt with this same issue when he denied Jesus. OK, he denied Christ and he did not want to associate himself with Christ. And a lot of Christians are like that. That's why they don't want to evangelize. They don't want to associate themselves with Christ. They want to be closet Christians. They don't want to associate themselves with Jesus. But they want all the benefits without the commitment and the cost. They want the benefits of the relationship with Christ. They want the benefits of forgiveness. So they want the benefits of eternal life and security and provision. They want the benefits of a relationship with Jesus without the commitment to sharing and, and sh sharing his goodness with the world, sharing the good news about what Jesus did. They don't want that because that's going to come at a cross and at a cost. So we need to take inventory here and just make sure that this isn't me, that this isn't you and say, okay, Lord, let me recap. 
you know, do I really believe this gospel? Is it something organic? Am I am I anxious? Am I am I is my heart's desire to share this with other people? Right. Do I depend on the Holy Spirit and I ask the Holy Spirit for strength to fill me up so that I can have boldness when I declare his word with, with my coworkers, with my friends, with my families, with others? Right. Do I really love people the way that you love them? Do I have compassion? Right. Do is it my heart's delight? Like Paul said, is it my heart's desire? Am I pray, who am I laboring in prayer for that's not saved? I mean, laboring on my face before you. Is it really my heart's desire? For people to be saved. Is that even on my agenda? Is that something I care about doing? Or could I go another 12 months and not evangelize and sleep well at night and not bother me at all? Do I see evangelism as the preacher man's job, as the pastor's job, as the missionary's job, or do I not see it as my responsibility? Can, do I, can I replace uh, uh, actually having a conversation with somebody can I have an actual conversation with somebody about the Lord uh, through social media and that count so that I don't have to actually have a conversation with anybody in person? Can I just put up scriptures on my Facebook and that counts as evangelism? Right. So we need to be thinking about these things. We need to be challenging ourselves. And then the last thing is, God, what am I willing to pay to share this? God, what what am I willing to, to what am I willing to give up to share this gospel? If it's going to cost my life, God, will I do it? To tell telling other people about Jesus, am I willing to lose my life doing it? Right? Am I willing to get locked up doing it? That's what that's what Paul did. That's what all the 11 apostles did. They all were murdered for it. Right? So the so this is this is the cost. And we need to and we need to understand the the promises that he who endures will be saved. And verse 32 of that same chapter says this, whosoever therefore will confess me before men, him will I also confess before my father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, I will also deny before my father, which is in heaven. Now, I know we have in America, especially we have contextualized that passage. Right. So we make that passage about an altar call. Right. If you don't if you don't verbally express it at an altar call. But this is in the context of Jesus sending out his disciples to evangelize. That's the context of this passage is saying, hey, go share my gospel. And if you deny me, what's he saying there? If you don't share. Right. If you deny me, I'll deny you. Remember, this is not this is not a this is not optional. This is a commandment. So anyway. I don't want to take up too much of you guys time, but I did want to share those things with you. I hope this helps. I felt like it was a good session. Why the church, the gospel and why the church won't share it. Um, I think if we apply a lot of those things, I think we can see that a lot of those reasons are the reason the church won't share it. You know, it's not organic for a lot of people. They don't really believe the gospel. You know, uh, they don't depend and rely on the Holy Spirit. They don't have boldness. They don't have compassion and love the way God loves. And also they just, they think it costs too much. You know, they're fearing a man and man, what man can do instead of fearing God and what God can do. So let's just remember that. All right. And the promise is he who endures will be saved. And that's the promise of, of the inheritance of the saints in life. It's the promise of eternal life. Well, I pray you guys are blessed. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, please engage with me. My email is dportal1258 at gmail.com. 
I love to hear from you. Give me more ideas for the topics that you want to hear. Uh, God bless every single one of you guys. And I'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.